market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. G'day Fools, I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer here in Australia, and welcome to a brand new feature we're calling Stock of the Week. That's right, it does exactly what it says on the tin. We are going to introduce you and talk you through one of our current buy recommendations from a Motley Fool Australia service. Hope you're getting excited. Before we get into it, let me remind you of a couple of things and I'll introduce you to today's guest. Firstly, we're long-term investors. This is important. We don't make predictions. We don't do share price targets. We simply look for what we think are great or promising businesses that we think are selling at attractive prices. That's the first thing. Second thing we want you to know right off the top is the companies we talk about are buy recommendations at the time of recording. Now, we're recording this one on Tuesday, the 18th of May. So it's a buy recommendation as of now. It may change in the future. We don't expect it to. We're not going to bring you stocks that we think are going to change overnight, but be aware of that if you're watching or listening to this later. Lastly, all the advice we give in any of these forums, including this particular episode, is general in nature. This doesn't include or incorporate your personal circumstances, goals, or objectives. So as always, seek professional personal financial advice as to how it may apply to your circumstances, your needs, goals, and objectives. Those are important. They're boilerplate a little bit, but they're super important. We want you to know that because they should be part of a diversified investment portfolio is the last thing. All right, let's get that out of the way. That's done. I want to introduce you to the Motley Fool Australia's Director of Research, Kevin Gandia. G'day, Kevin. How are you, mate? Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Mate, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're the, uh, <laughs> you're, you're the, you're the, the crash test dummy, mate. You're the first cab off the rank. Thank you for being so kind. Uh, of course, Kevin is our Director of Research. He's the guy who heads up our investment team. Uh, he's a smart bloke. He's a nice guy. He knows his stocks. And he's got an exciting company to bring to you today. With no further ado, KG, what have we got and what are we bringing as our very first Motley Fool Stock of the Week. Scott, you know, I just love talking about stocks. So that's what we're here to do today. And today we're talking about Temple and Webster. The ticker is TPW. It trades on the ASX. And this company stock, it had a phenomenal year in 2020. Demand just went through the roof, as you can imagine, because it's an e-commerce online retailer for furniture and other homeware. So yeah, you can just imagine at a time where shopping malls are closed, um, social distancing is very important. This is exactly the kind of company most were calling a COVID winner. All right, mate. So Temple and Webster, e-commerce company you mentioned, furniture retailer you mentioned. Just give us a little bit of a, just a quick insight into what the company does. Before we get into why we like it particularly, e-commerce and furniture you've been through, what, describe Temple and Webster for me in a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, so the idea is, the concept is pretty simple. If you're looking to buy furniture for your home, you can either go to a shopping mall and go into a company, a store like, um, you know, Harvey Norman, or you can log online, go onto Temple and Webster. They actually own a number of different brands. Uh, they acquired a company called Matt Blatt. Um, they acquired a, a company called Wayfair, um, the Australian operations of Wayfair, I should say. Wayfair is a, is a, is a large um, furniture retailer out, based out in the U.S. And really, it just allows uh, any person looking to buy furniture online to just do it from the comfort of their own home. Uh, if you're looking for a sofa or if you're looking for a bed or if you're looking for a lamp or anything else that, uh, that you need for your home, you can just log on to their website. They've got a, a whole catalog of products that you can purchase on that uh, website. And yeah, they'll just get it delivered to your home. So just as you would use um, Amazon for, 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 for clothing or groceries or anything else that you need around home or Kogan, uh, Temple and Webster is the company that's leading the charge doing this for furniture. 
Now, Kevin, it is, it is leading the charge, as you say. I'm old enough to remember a time when I was wrong about this one because uh, the company didn't even exist, but I was sure, okay, I understood e-commerce for books, I understood e-commerce for CDs, for movies. They're, they're kind of known you know, items. You don't have to sit on a movie, you don't have to feel a movie, you don't have to lay on a movie and try and work out whether it's right for you. But I thought, you know what? Furniture, obviously, is not going to be something people buy online because who knows what it's going to look like? Who knows how big it is? Who knows how comfortable it's going to be? Surely, people weren't going to buy furniture online, right? And then... And then there was 2019, and then there was, as you've already mentioned, 2020. And my uh, predictions, I don't make predictions, but my, my guesstimations uh, were way off because people are doing it. You mentioned Wayfair, mate. It's one of those businesses in the US. We kind of have to prototype for Templar Webster, right? We've almost, you know, to use the phrase, we get, we've seen this movie before. Uh, Wayfair in the US is doing a remarkable job of growing online furniture retailing there. It doesn't take too much of a leap of the imagination to kind of take that model that is working, is successful, and then transplant it down there and say, hang on, we might be a few years behind the Yanks, but that's the opportunity because we've, as I said, seen this movie before. Why specifically do we like Templar Web? So obviously we know e-commerce is great. If people are buying the furniture, that's also great. But give me a quick rundown of why we like Templar Webster in particular. Yeah, Scott. Well, I'm glad you mentioned um, your age, or well, you haven't mentioned your age, but you've kind of implied that you know. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's exactly right, right? I mean, when you look at it, the idea hasn't fully gone mainstream. Um, it's you know, it's still got its starters out there, and I think for investors, that really creates the ideal opportunity to start looking at a company that's actually leading the charge um, in a, in a massive industry. To answer your question, when you look at just the broader e-commerce trends, the first thing you realize you mentioned in 2019, um, e-commerce for, for furniture in the US was trending at around um, 9%. Um, now, actually, it was closer to 15%. And now you're looking at 21% of all um, furniture uh, retail sales in the US are done online. Now, when you compare, and that's those trends are pretty much similar in other advanced economies like the UK, but Australia has been lagging behind a little bit, but actually growing at a much faster pace. So basically, we're catching up to the US and, and to the UK. Now, when you look at what we have at the moment, Two years ago, we were trading at around 5% uh, penetration in, in online e-commerce for furniture. Now we're, we're, we're closer to around 9%. And as I mentioned, that's growing at a much faster pace than it is in, in, in the US and the UK as we are catching up to those countries. That's the first thing. So the, the industry is just growing at a, at a significant uh, rate. Now, one of the leading companies in that industry is Temple and Webster. And when we see a company that's leading the charge in a growing industry, that becomes very interesting for us. Um, Temple and Webster itself has been growing at a much faster pace than a growing industry. So that implies it's taking market share from some of its other competitors. And as this business begins to really scale, it's got that business model that we really like that's really profitable at scale. Um, most investors are probably used to growth companies that aren't profitable, but this is actually a unique company where it's actually profitable and growing at the same time, and it's got good opportunities to grow further and further ahead. Um, the other thing I'll just mention is, you know, it's got founder leaders um, in place, so it's got, you know, in it, management that are really um, well incentivized to look after this business, to grow, grow it for the long term. And it's just in a very niche, unique space where there aren't too many global giants looking to um, take the, that same piece of the pie. So I think overall, when you've got a profitable but still growing business that's leading um, the charge in its space, that for investors, that, that makes a very compelling case. And one thing I'll just leave it off there with, with Scott is I mentioned 2020. 
2020 was a big year for this company. Now, as you know, we're no longer too scared of, I guess, the initial um, COVID uh, constraints. Now we're looking forward more to what happens post-COVID, um, what's happening with the vaccine rollouts and everything else. Uh, the, 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 the broader economy is, um, is still growing and, and broadening out. But what we're seeing is investors are starting to, the hot money is no longer following this type of company. So whilst the business itself is is, is growing at, 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 a, at a healthy pace. So when you're seeing investors looking away um, while the business itself is still growing, I think for long-term investors, that creates some some good opportunities there. Thanks, Kevin. I'm going to go pressure on that last bit a little bit because the shares are down a third since their highs in October last year. Kind of, you know, 2020, as you say, was a wonderful year for new new economy companies, if you like, tech across the board, e-commerce in particular. Um, 14 odd dollars, 14 dollars something in October, now down to just above nine. Um, when you lose a third of your value, the market's possibly telling you something, maybe about the company, maybe about what the market's thinking. Um, as you say, we are potentially going to come into a situation where growth might be a bit slower. I don't know if you expect it to be negative or just slower, given... We kind of all bought our furniture last year. Um, convinced that this is not a one-trick pony, that 2020 is not going to be, you know, it's, it's high watermark that it maybe never gets back to or only gets back to, you know, the fullness of time. How do we make money from this point if people are looking at 2021 and saying, but guys, stars are going to keep growing at that sort of rate. Surely the, you know, the horse is already bolted. Aren't we shutting the gate too late? Yeah, that's a great point, Scott. So, yeah, the idea is pretty simple, right? Revenue more than doubled last year. And the question is whether, was that a sugar hit or is that really sustainable? Well, the, when, when you look at the company's recent trading update in April uh, of this year, 2021, they actually um, announced that their sales for that month of April was 20% higher than it was last year. Um, and it was the same comparative period last year was the biggest uh, month of sales over that period because that's really when the COVID um, hit was at its peak, right? And that's when uh, malls were literally closed. Um, everyone is looking to shop online. So I think, look, revenue won't double every year. We know that. But when you have a company that's growing in that 20 to 30% range uh, in a sustainable way, that can still yield some good results. Yes, the share price is down over the last um, couple of months or so. But when you zoom out longer term, it has been growing um, for, for over longer periods of time. And I think, you know, we, we, we don't expect companies to, um, to, to just grow and double every single year, right? We, we, we expect in over the longer periods of time, there'll be bump, uh, ups and downs, uh, bumpy periods along the way. And I actually think, you know, it's not the worst thing that uh, share prices are down. Again, it just, cools the temperature a little bit. The hot money isn't necessarily following uh, this company and it allows us longer-term investors to have a closer look. Beautiful. Nice way to put it. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, mate, we are not just all about the upside. Uh, the Motley Fool, we do look at the risk. We do look at the downside. In fact, every one of our recommendations has a section entitled risks or a version thereof, risks and when we'd sell. Um, what are some of the risks for Temple and Webster? What are some of the circumstances that would make you reconsider this buy recommendation? Yeah, so the, one of the key risks for this company is the element of surprise is really gone at this point. So I think when you looked at earlier stage e-commerce companies, 
the incumbent players in these industries really were underestimating the potential for e-commerce. Whereas now I think a lot of companies have really seen the potential, especially after the year we had last year, when the only way to, to get your product out there was through the online channel. So uh, now we're seeing companies like Harvey Norman, um, even Ikea, starting to really ramp up sales in that online um, channel. So that just means the competition is starting to wise up to what's happening in this industry. Um, and for Temple and Webster, the um, the element of surprise could just be a little bit um, out of reach for now. The other thing to consider is whilst this is a technology-powered business, um, it's not as high margin as some of the other software companies that we tend to like a lot. Temple and Webster does handle its inventory, um, its warehouses. That just creates and an, brings an element of operational complexity to the business. So execution is a big risk for this for this type of company. Um, but, you know, so far they've, they've done well. Um, as they scale, they'll just need to prove out um, that they can continue to execute at, at scale. Mate, people have written off Harvey Norman a million times over my investing career. In fact, over my lifetime, uh, the number of kind of, you know, give up, Jerry, you've had enough. It's all over stories. I think I read over the last 15 years in particular could fill a, a small-sized phone book. Uh, what about competition? Is that a risk for Temple and Webster? Are they far enough ahead to remain at the, at the head of the pack or do they end up becoming the bleeding edge where they kind of prove the category for other people to come and monster in on them and take their business away? Yeah, so Temple Westers really is the challenger in this space. So it's the leader in the online segment, but not in the broader uh, furniture retail um, um, space. So you mentioned uh, Harvey Norman. Um, we know Jerry Harvey um, quite well. And, um, you know, it's, it's companies like that that really will not go away quietly, right? They will uh, be a challenge for, for a company like Temple and Webster. So competition will remain a, a key risk, um, but, but I think this company is well up to the challenge. Very good. Thanks, Kevin. Mate, let's finish it off. Give us in a couple of sentences. Just the, what's the elevator pitch for buying Temple and Webster as we, as we finish this first stock of the week? Yeah, so the elevator pitch is really simple. When you've got a growing industry that should um, – invite all and growth investors to look at that type of industry because that's what you want, right? You want to invest in a company that can um, reap multiples upon multiples of your initial investment. And when you have a company like Temple and Webster, that's one of the leading companies in that growing industry. It's growing faster than the industry. So it's taking market share. Then you have these excellent business um, unit economics that imply that if the business can continue to scale, um, it, 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 it can reap uh, significant profits for, for shareholders. Again, all, it's, it's those key things, a growing market, a leading company in that growing market, and a business model that actually allows us investors to make the most of, of that growth. Um, I think those are some of the traits that we've seen historically here at the Motley Fool have, um, have, have the, our, some of our biggest winning companies have some of those uh, winning traits. And when you look at Temple and Webster, it certainly has that. Um, and, you know, Scott, just to close off, you mentioned at the beginning, it's not just about one company for us here at the Motley Fool, but if you're building a portfolio on the ASX, looking at strong companies that are continuing to grow, I think investors out there should be looking at Temple and Webster. Very good. So there you go, folks. I told you he was a smart bloke. That's Kevin Gandia, our Director of Research. He'll be back for another Stock of the Week at some point soon, maybe next week, maybe not. We'll see who we get on next week. Thank you for joining us for our inaugural Stock of the Week. We've had a lot of fun bringing it to you. If you do like this stuff, if you want more of it, if you want to follow us, jump on social media. You can jump on Twitter or Instagram, follow The Motley Fool at The Motley Fool AU. Pretty straightforward. You can follow me at TMF Scott P on Twitter and Insta. Kevin, what's your, what's your Twitter say? Kevin Gundy, it's pretty simple uh, on Twitter. 
There you go. Pretty straightforward. If you're on Facebook, jump on The Motley Fool Australia or I'm at Scott Phillips Money. Jump on our YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and hit the notification bell to make sure you get more of these videos. The Motley Fool Australia, that's also pretty straightforward. And jump on The Motley Fool Money podcast. Subscribe to that one to make sure you don't miss an episode. We are everywhere. We're bringing it to you across those platforms for absolutely free. We hope you are enjoying it. We hope you get value from it. And other than that, We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching and for listening. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.